0: everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of the break i am father roderick and it is a sunday afternoon that is when i'm recording this probably where you live it is uh, likely to be another day but thanks for listening we're gonna have a great show so sit back relax and enjoy i suddenly have the week off. This next week, I was supposed to do the Walk of the World in Nijmegen, or Nijmegen, as we say over here in the Netherlands, Nijmegen. Um, uh, it's a four-day walking event, um, which I've now done three times, and I was hoping to do um, to do another... Uh, four days uh, this upcoming week. But unfortunately, I have a bit of a an injury, nothing serious, but my feet hurt after walking for more than 20 kilometers. And since every day you have to walk 40, so that's a total of 160 kilometers. I just didn't want to risk it. I think I'm a little bit overtrained. It's probably because of all the, the other training that I do like four times a week. Um, and added to that also, maybe not the right shoes. And so uh, I, I just want, I don't want to take any risks so I decided to skip this year. It's a bit unfortunate that I already paid for the for the tickets, but well, anything better than than getting a more serious injury for the rest of the summertime. Speaking of which, it is still reasonably good weather over here in the Netherlands. It is terrible in the rest of Europe. Um that my UK listeners, unfortunately, are suffering from rain and the typical English weather, but in the south of Europe, it is insane. I saw that in, in Rome today, uh, temperatures would go all the way up to 44, 45 degrees Celsius, uh, which is, you know, it's, it's not uncommon that in Rome during the summertime it gets very hot, but this is unprecedented. And it's not just in... Rome, but also in all the other big cities, Milan, and uh, um, also in Spain, several uh, cities had r- r- heat alerts. Greece is terrible, so it definitely the weather is, um, is all over the place, and I also heard from my friends in the United States that it is very hot in a lot of uh, places. My, my good friend Rob is in, 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 in the area of Phoenix, and they also have like an unprecedented heat wave and drought and everything. It, it it's just it's scary how how much uh, the climate seems to be changing every year. So I remember a couple of years ago I was spending um, a few weeks in in Ireland and we had a heat wave here in the Netherlands and it was over forty degrees. Uh, And then we were firing up the the fireplace, the hearth, because it was so cold over there. (laughs) That is always on my list as an option. If it gets too warm in this part of Europe, I will just migrate temporarily to Ireland. It's still part of the European Union, unlike uh, the UK. At least (laughs) in Ireland, I can still pay with euros and, and my phone plan still works. But, uh, yeah, we will have to adapt somehow. Um, In other news, uh, speaking of news, I'll just press the, the news button. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. Face it, Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby taken your first step into a larger world. I, I always start updating you without pressing the, the the button for the jingle. But here we go. This is the what's happening elsewhere in the world. Well, of course, in uh, the United States, we now not only have a writer strike that's been going on since May, but as of this week, we also have an actors' strike, and there is a lot at stake for uh, both unions for for both the writers and. And the actors this is all about um new contracts for this new era of streaming and the residuals and the role the, the very important role that artificial intelligence is uh, going to play in the next decade or so so i i totally understand that the writers and the actors want to renegotiate and uh, if i'm following a, quite a few of my creator friends over there um, on on TikTok, on Instagram, so I'm reading their updates. I know what kind of work they do, and they now tell us that you know what kind of wages they're paid. We're not talking about Tom Cruise. Uh, I mean, he he makes a good living, but we're we're talking about all the other act- actors that you may see in the background. And um, I saw this story the other day where. Uh, some of the studios are now trying to force them into a deal where if they want to be a background player, just an extra, they need to agree to being scanned digitally and then to waive their rights for 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 eternity so that these studios can use your image and your likeness and just replace your work with artificial intelligence, with computers, so they can just render you in the background and you would not get any pay for that. And for a lot of actors, um, we always imagine, we always think that the life of an actor is a life of, of, of you know, red carpet premieres and, and lots of money and, and yachts and, and beautiful villas. But for most actors, um, it is almost impossible to pay the rent. We're not just talking about background actors. We're even talking about actors that you saw, for instance, in, in, in Star Trek. Um, that there was one of these actresses who actually stepped forward and said, I cannot pay my rent. And she is in Star Trek Picard. She's like a class A actress. And even she cannot uh, make ends meet, let alone, you know, all the other actors who just have to struggle more and more to get a role. Now, of course, this whole strike will have major consequences for the industry, for all platforms, and also for for the movie industry. And so a lot of the... Um, the series um, are that we love and that I love are now on hold, like probably Endor and uh, some other Star Wars stuff. Um, there are some movies that are put on hold. There, you, You're going to see a lot of delays in the months to come, but I think it's for the better. It's not that we don't have anything to watch. If you're like me, you have a huge backlog of material that you still need to watch. But I, I, I really hope, that the, the deal that they will ultimately will have to find will be good for the writers and for the actors. And, you know, it's, it's, everything is in flux right now. The whole, the whole way in which we consume media is, is changing and has been changing for, for years. And so I'm not surprised that this will come with, with uh, some commotion and some some trouble and this is also ha- bound to happen here in the netherlands i mean I, I used to work for television and it's incredible how quickly people's behavior is changing from watching television linear on tv to tv on demand and now the younger generation doesn't even care for not even for a video on demand they will just watch whatever is on youtube whatever is on TikTok, or um or other platforms so it's it's just part of a changing world. But I stand with the writers, I stand with the actors. Um, as a creator myself and as a former uh, priest who was on TV from time to time, I know that, that um, a lot of these broadcasting companies are always trying to squeeze out your maximum profit. Um, even when I was working for TV, I got paid a very, very low wage. Um, uh, so... Yeah, I understand how it feels to to be uh, treated like that. So thankfully, uh, I, I, I'm not part of a union, so I can just continue to make my stuff. <laughs> and, and maybe this is ultimately for for YouTube creators uh, and, and for people that are active on social media. Also an opportunity to show what they can do um, and... I think over time, all this economy will ch- will change. Um, and, and even, you know, people like me who, who work mainly in social media, uh, we also have to figure out new ways to monetize, to make ends meet. And I am so happy that I have my patrons, so I don't have to worry <laughs> about paying the rent, at least not right now. We still have some reserves, but over time, I will have to, somehow scale up and see if I can find uh, more sponsors. But but I'm so grateful for all of you that are supporting me on Patreon. At the end of this show, I will have a special thank you for a, new, a couple of new patrons. And if you want to join them, just go over to patreon.com slash Father Roderick and you'll find Everything you need to know. I do you not like movies? They're predictable. Like, the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. Ironically, in the week that the actors went on strike, we... Also had the Emmy nominations, which uh, is a quite a big deal, and I've seen a lot of coverage on social media. Um, and 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 nowadays, a lot of studios are just using the nominations to to show off, uh, you know, the quality of their of their productions. I don't remember that from previous years that there was so much buzz around just the nominations. And there are a ton of them; every category has a lot of nominations. So. Uh, My timeline at one point in Threads was filled with... uh, You see what I did there? I said my timeline in Threads. I didn't mention Twitter. (laughs) We'll talk about Threads later on in this show because uh, things are evolving on that uh, front as well. But I saw so many posts, um, of especially Star Wars-related posts, where Star Wars had actually quite a few nominations. Uh, Andor, uh, The Mandalorian, Obi-Wan Kenobi... They all got um, some some good nominations. Special effects, of course, of Star Wars have, have always um, scored high uh, when it comes to these awards. So I hope that um, my friends that work in, in the Star Wars uh, industry uh, get what they deserve in terms of recognition. But, of course, the big, the big show that got so many nominations this year is Succession. And um, I, I spoke about Succession and how much I... I I loved that television show. I I can say it's it's really one of the best TV shows for adults. Again, disclaimer: this is not for families, not for kids. Um, but it is incredible what they pulled off of that show. So well deserved nominations. Um, the Last of Us also got a ton of nominations. I haven't finished watching uh, that series yet. It's on HBO or nowadays it's called Max. So that's definitely on my summer list of stuff to catch up with um and then the white lotus i i saw a few episodes of the first season of the white lotus which is also a very very well produced show the bear uh, really a gem of a show so good the second season is out now um ted lasso of course one of my favorite shows on apple tv plus and in even wednesday got one nomination but well deserved um and then there were of course lots of other shows that i haven't seen yet But uh, that's why I'm happy that it's summertime. I'm trying out some new shows, by the way. And uh, I heard quite a bit of buzz in in the United States about an Arnold Schwarzenegger show that was not promoted at all here in Europe. Um, And it's called um, FUBAR. I think it's on Netflix. So FUBAR is a a show about, um, well, a character played by um, Arnold Schwarzenegger and then... I think his daughter, and they both work for the CIA, and um, it's a really fun action series and and very classic Arnold Schwarzenegger stuff. I was actually surprised how much I liked it and how much it's... I I didn't think that Schwarzenegger was doing this stuff anymore, but it's still him. And yeah, he's getting older, but I don't think anyone can stop him. So it's, it's a fun show. I'm definitely hoping to see it. By the way, speaking of Netflix, I, I canceled my subscription to Netflix. I still had a subscription via Apple, uh, so via the iTunes. And, and the reason was that for years, Apple was trying to promote its apps and, and music and other services by um, offering discounts on their gift cards. So almost every month in one of the stores here in the Netherlands, you could buy these um, iTunes gift cards and they would give you like 10% extra or uh, whatever. Sometimes even twenty percent uh, of, of of like f- free. How would you say that? Credits on on the iTunes Store. So for years, I was paying for my Netflix with about between ten and twenty percent, uh, um, you know, extra like percentage off so I got a little bit of a discount because Netflix of course does not offer any discounts however Apple stopped doing that because they're so successful so <laughs> it's, it, it doesn't really offer any advantage for me to be subscribed to Netflix via iTunes plus I wanted to check out uh, if 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 I would see much of a difference if I would switch to the basic subscription now um, Netflix is getting more and more expensive. They are upping their prices uh, uh, all the time. And there were some rumors that in Canada they were um, stopping the basic plan. The basic plan is the cheapest Netflix plan. It's uh, it's HD in a sense that it's 720p. Um, so it's a little bit above DVD quality, but it's very cheap. It's just $8.99 here, whereas the next level is like, $12.99 and then goes all the way up to $14.99, which is still relatively cheap if you compare it with uh, what my American friends are paying for Netflix. So, I was like, well, before they cancel the $8.99 basic subscription, let me see. I'm just going to subscribe for a, for a week, for a month, and then if, if my television has an upscaler, so maybe it's it's good enough. I don't know. I can always switch back to, to the regular plan of Netflix, but hey, if I can have a Netflix subscription for $8.99, that saves me a couple of bucks that I can then invest in all the other subscriptions that I also have to pay for every month. So um, we'll see. But unfortunately, I was trying to unsubscribe, so I canceled my my subscription with Apple. But for some reason, Netflix still shows me Netflix, even though you know I'm no longer paying for it. So I don't know if after a month or so, Next month, maybe then Netflix will have gotten the notice from Apple that, hey, um, Father Roderick's not paying for you anymore and maybe that's when they will cancel. It's really weird and it's very um, confusing. Uh, so I can't, I can't figure out why I'm still able to watch Netflix even though um, my subscription through Apple has stopped. Anyway, let them figure it out. I didn't do anything wrong. So <laughs> we'll see next week uh, or next month what, what will happen. So, um, FUBAR watching that. Um, I also watched another movie, Uncharted, that I hadn't seen when it was in, in movie theaters. Uncharted is based on a video game uh, series that was very popular on the PlayStation. I actually played, um, I think, two, two of, the, of, the, of the video games. I really loved it. Very much like an Indiana Jones type of story. It's um, probably also inspired by Indiana Jones. Um, but then in in, in a, as a video game, it was a really good storytelling, very enjoyable game. Sometimes it was a bit on rails, so you've got a lot of cutscenes. Um, uh, but and they kept upgrading Uncharted and even remastering the like earlier versions of the game. Um, and and so at one point they decided, well, let's try to make it a movie. Um, and they hired Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg and Antonio Banderas for the main roles. And um I, I, it sounded like really a movie that I would enjoy. Well, I didn't dislike it, but man, it, it it wasn't what I thought it would be. First of all, Tom Holland doesn't look anything like the guy in Uncharted in the video games. In the video games, he's a much older person, and Tom Holland is just playing Tom Holland. He's very much the same guy as we see in Spider-Man. Um, and I really liked, Um, Mark Wahlberg's character. um, Antonio Manderas was a little bit cliche, bad guy. You know, it, it, eh Nah, it didn't work. And um, wasn't there at one point also some Dutch in there or was that in Secret Invasion? And I I, I wonder, or was it in FUBAR? This is one of these shows that I watched and and they were like simulating that they were in the Netherlands and I think it was in, in FUBAR. Yeah, I think it was not FUBAR. So Arnold Schwarzenegger pretending that he's talking to someone, some Dutch guy on the phone, and oh my gosh, it was so cringeworthy. I I don't get it. They could just call any voice actor to just overdub these two or three lines. Instead, they they are adamant that they want to use the whatever guy that they hired. And oh, they try to do the phonetic Dutch. It is so cringeworthy. Anyway, um... I was talking about Uncharted. So the movie was okay, very, very predictable. Um, special effects were a bit a bit as if I was watching a video game. So, all in all, yeah, this is not on the level of Indiana Jones. I don't think, even though they teased a sequel, I don't think this is gonna get a sequel. Um, anyway. Also watched um a documentary series about Hillsong. You know, you may have heard of Hillsong. Um, it's an evangelical a church that was founded in Australia and then really wanted to expand to the rest of the world. They had a lot of success in the United States. Um, and it's just one of those mega churches where the the whatever they do on Sunday, to an outsider, looks more like a rock concert than a church. But I have that with a lot of evangelical churches. When I see what they do on Sunday, I'm like, wow, this is... There's no liturgy, basically. It's just... Music and there is preaching and there is uh, there's a lot of there, there are, you know, a lot of emotion plays a, a big role. Um, so there are things that I like. actually the music is quite nice. Uh, Hillsong was, was very much focused on, on good music production and they, they, the documentary shows how they move with whatever is, is um, the, the current flavor of music that, that young people seem to like. And they also even use music to influence how emo- you, you feel uh, during those services. And so the music itself is, is written in such a way that it, it, it makes you emotional. And so, of course, we remember what touches us. Yeah. Intellectually, of course, um, I like to be engaged, but it, I, I remember what, what really made me emotional, uh, whether it's a movie or a book or a conversation or even a, a sermon or a homily. But um, with Hillsong, I feel like a lot of uh, um, the emphasis is on emotion, is on atmosphere, is on the show, and on the music. turns out that, actually, there was a lot wrong behind the scenes. Uh, Despite all the glamour and all the, you know, there were some some preachers that got the status of a a rock star. But as you see, very often in, in any organization, not just churches power seems to corrupt money seems to corrupt people and that is what happened behind the scenes there was a lot of abuse there was a lot of uh abuse of power there was a physical abuse um a lot of unhealthy stuff going on and 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 of course lots and lots of very um obscure financial malversations um and and uh Oh, just the whole the documentary uh, interviews a lot of people that have suffered from abuse and they show how, you know, especially these these super famous preachers basically fall from grace and then they're eradicated. But that does, of course, it's not just one person. It takes a village <laughs> to to support and to facilitate these people. And so that's uh, basically how, how all these scandals start to unravel over the years. Um, I think it was a very good uh, documentary. You get a lot of information. And unfortunately, it all sounds so familiar because we've seen this in so many other churches, Um, not just in evangelical prosperity type of churches, but also in in Protestant churches in general and in the Catholic Church, of course, we also have had many, many scandals uh, from abuse to financial abuse to financial uh, scandals. Uh, power scandal, power struggles. Uh, it's all, you know, we're human. But a church is called, of course, to higher standards. And I think the, what the documentary really shows is how dangerous it can be if um, if abuse, if uh, financial um, uh, uh, fraud is... Is kind of institutionalized, and it becomes like the the whole like the 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 way the church is built is in order to make money and to be successful. And you can see that the focus shifts away from what a church is all about, which is it's it's about God. It's not about money. It's not about fame and fortune. Um, but if that becomes your focus, and you tell yourself that that is how you measure the success, you're actually not not, not really creating followers of Christ anymore. It's all about who follows you and who gives you money. And uh, when you see it in the documentary, it is, it, it's it's very clear that that had been a problem from, from the beginning. Um, and it's a cautionary tale. And I always applaud it when journalists and documentary makers um, uh, go in depth and try to f- follow the money, follow what we know <laughs> can, can happen in organizations like this. And I think that in the Catholic church, I, I encourage similar, um, uh, inquiries and, and I hope that journalists will stay sharp and will dive into the problems and the scandals that uh, pop up. And I, I don't think we've seen the end of all the scandals in the Catholic church. I, I still am very worried about certain countries and certain situations. Um, I think reform is an ongoing process, and we will probably never see the end of these scandals. Uh, but every time something comes to the surface, what needs to be done is genuine repentance and genuine uh, conversion. And if it's just PR, and that's kind of the, the problem with Hillsong, it's like they, they always tried to spin it. So, so that they don't lose money and they don't lose people. And the Catholic Church, that is the big scandal in the Catholic Church. It's not just the abuse scandal, but it is the cover-up. It's all these people protecting one another. And you can never change if you don't, want, if you don't really want to change. If it's just like, oh, we'll just hire a PR firm to take care of this unfortunate incident, then how is that going to help anyone? So... Journalism, documentary makers—they keep us honest, and it's super important. And and this is also true for politics. You know, I, I will never criticize the media for being critical. I can criticize a journalist when he or she doesn't do his or her job, when when it, they didn't double check the facts, they didn't allow for the other side of the story. But I, I, I cannot be critical of of any form of media that wants to go to the bottom, even if it's uncomfortable for my church, for for me as a priest. I, I mean, we have to make sure that there is transparency and that people are honest, especially in uh, when you you pretend to be a church. <laughs> anyway, so that's an interesting documentary on. Was it on Netflix? Maybe this was on. HBO, I forgot where I watch it. Um, Anyway, you can Google it. So it's called Hillsong Mega Church Exposed. Um, And that's about it when it comes to TV watching. I hope this week to start um, watching the final season of Star Wars Rebels in preparation for Ahsoka. And I'm also hoping to do some commentary on my YouTube channel. So if you want to hear my... And I've never seen the fourth season. um, The... The, the trailer for Ahsoka, the official trailer, premiered last week. I did a reaction video, but I I clearly missed some information because in the comments a lot of people told me, oh, what you see there in the trailer, that's from Rebels Season 4. So, um, I didn't really get spoiled, but and now I really know that I have to see that season. Um, and maybe it's fun to see someone react to something that you've already seen, and you, you, you see me struggling with Trying to understand what's going on. That seems to be also the appeal of my, my anime commentary. A lot of people that follow me, they, they have already, they know much more about anime than I do, but they like to see me discover what they already loved for the first time. Uh, there is some charm in that, I, I guess. All right. Time for The Peculiar Bunch <laughs> Catholics Rock! Here at the Peculiar Bunch, we always have to tell you everything you always wanted to know about Catholics, but you were afraid to ask. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No oh, meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? Today I want to try to answer a question that I got from one of my followers about manifesting. What's up with that? Man, you guys got more crazy rules than blockbuster videos. I remember years ago, maybe I was still um, studying theology at the time, maybe I wasn't even ordained a priest, that there was this book called The Secret, and it became a huge phenomenon. And, and, and at one point, Oprah Winfrey basically was the, the secret show. And uh, I think it was a precursor of what today's all the, all the rage in some circles, which is this manifesting phenomenon. Uh, the idea of The Secret... I've I never really studied it in in depth but it was that if you want something in life you just have to really wish it you have to think it and the secret is basically if you think hard enough about what you want to accomplish or what you want to to get from life it will just happen it will just come to you so just if you want to be a millionaire just think really hard I'm simplifying probably but just you you just wish for it, you think about it, you tell yourself that you're going to be, and then it will just happen. Um, I'm always a bit, I've always been a bit skeptical towards that kind of thinking. Um, I, I'm more like grumpy old Harrison Ford, uh, aka Han Solo, in, uh, <laughs> in The Force Awakens. I was like, that's not how the Force works. But... Um, it seems that that line of thinking is back with this phenomenon of, of manifesting. I have to be honest, when someone asked me that question, I really was like, yeah, I vaguely remember reading something about that. But I, I just, it sounded like a bit of a new agey thing. So never really uh, looked into it. But um, it's it's more and more in my timelines and I see stuff on TikTok uh, and I just swipe up because it's it's just not what I, what I, what I'm interested in, from what I understand, again, if you probably, some of you may know more about about this than I do, but, um, what I think it is, is this, I, it's kind of similar to the secret, uh, manifesting is, uh, is, is focusing and even writing down some goals that you haven't reached yet, but you want them to happen, and you tell yourself every day, almost, like, this is going to happen. I, I'm just the idea, like, I want this to manifest itself, hence the name, probably. And then it will manifest itself. Now, there are two sides of this one kind of a psychological aspect, and one that may be, f- at least from my perspective, more um, a, a form of superstition. Let's start with the psychological. Um, I know from personal experience that goal setting can really, really help you to attain goals. Uh, In fact, if you, if you never, if you're never clear about what do I want to get out of life, what do I want to reach you? You miss an opportunity to have that carrot dangling in front of you that will actually pull you forward. If you want to set goals, it really pays off to have very clear, super specific goals and also tell yourself, how am I going to measure if I've reached that goal or not? What is What does it take for me to feel like, yes, I am there? Um, so thinking about goals and being also ambitious in goal setting is something that I would always recommend. Um, it, it also helps, I think, to not just set some goals, like I want to be a millionaire, I want to make a ton of money, I want a big house, and I want, uh, I don't know, whatever you, whatever else you're aspiring to. Um, I think what works even better in goal setting is also um, to add a spiritual dimension to it and to bring it up in prayer and, uh, you know, hold it up in front of God who also has his his aspirations and his plan for you and and always kind of try to discern is this just my goal is this my will or is this my wish or does this to which extent does this really align with what God wants for me and uh so then then goal setting is also a spiritual discernment and it helps not just to do this in private prayer I recommend you do, but it's also good to talk to other people, wise people that can um, that can advise you, people that know you well, people that maybe also know a, a lot about the goals that you're trying to reach. If I say, "Well, I want to be a successful YouTuber, I want to reach a million people," then maybe you know, being part of a a, a group of, of of successful YouTubers can help you. That like these these expert groups. Um, the people that you surround yourself with that already embody that ideal that you're striving for can really help you to get to that level. Um, this is one of the reasons that I joined a, a running group. One of my ambitions when it comes to running is I want to run a marathon under in under four hours. Maybe, and, and this is a crazy goal, Maybe I can still, before I get too old, I can run a marathon in in three and a half hours. That would be amazing to at least one day in my, one time in my life uh, qualify for Boston, even though I probably will never run the Boston Marathon. But how cool would it be? And, and, And so I'm surrounding myself with very good runners. They give me all sorts of advice and they tell me, well, you can do it. And I have a coach that helps me with that. So... But that's all goal setting. So if, if that aspect of manifesting is something I can, I can really understand, sometimes you just have to put it in front of yourself, maybe even write it down, put it on the fridge or on your mirror, and every day you tell yourself, hey, this is what I'm working for, this is what I'm going for. And even if you ultimately won't reach that goal, you will still get much farther than if you just tell yourself this morning, oh, we'll just wing it and we'll see how far we can get, and eh, I'm not sure if this is ever going to be uh, a reality. No. Now, you have to believe that you are going to get there. Um, So, that aspect of manifesting, totally understandable. And I can see that it it will work. And some people will say, well, hey, manifesting, yeah, totally works for me because I had this wish and this idea, this goal, and look where I am now a year later, I am there. Well, I'd say give yourself a round of applause because it's not just this Manifesting is, you know, it's not a magical thing, but it helped you to stay focused, and that is why you got where you are right now. But there is also a um, another interpretation of this manifesting where it becomes a bit more like wishful thinking, maybe magical thinking, which is well, if I just wish it. St- and I concentrate on it, and I tell myself, "I'm I'm gonna get that expensive car. I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna win the lottery." It will. It will manifest itself. I don't think that's how it works, and it also feels a bit too, too like too easy. Uh, if if you think that it's just magically going to occur just because you want it, I would say, well, there are billions of people in this world who wish every day for a better life, and yet they don't get it because they are in circumstances where they just are unable to ever attain it. So there, there's a lot more proof that, it, that that kind of magical thinking doesn't work than there, there is proof that it does work. And some, some people that are very much into that kind of more superstitious, that's my qualification of it, uh, interpretation of manifesting will say, well, well in my case, it worked. Look, I I wrote down this and then I actually won the lottery and then I would say, well, you know, it doesn't mean that the one is the it it, it is yes, one event follows the other. It doesn't mean that there is ca- causation. That that's a logical flaw. Um something can happen and you may have actually wished for it, but it's still maybe just a random coincidence. So, uh I always think, and the reason that I'm critical towards that that type of interpretation, that kind of magical thinking, is it could have a tendency uh, to ignore that you have to also pay the price for what you want to attain. You have to invest yourself. You have to want it. You have to go through this laborious process of putting the work into it and, and to find people that can help you in a mastermind group or whatever um and it also takes away the actual the actual accomplishment because if it's just magic then you know it becomes like in Harry Potter you just say aloha and locks will doors will open for you or wingardium leviosa and things will start to float and i don't think so so that would be that would be my, I, i'm not I'm not the type of guy, you know me, uh, to warn you for, oh, it's inviting the devil and it's all these evil spirits that if you uh, believe in superstition what whatnot, it will take over your soul and you will go to hell. Uh, I don't think so. But it does, I think, rob people from their agency. And, and also, there are so many situations in the world where people, you know, they can wish as long as they want, but it's not going to change their situation because... They actually need me to go and help them. You know, someone who is a refugee and who is in a refugee camp, they can wish every day that they become millionaires. But unless we, as, as very privileged people, do something about the situation in the world and we help them, then they might never able, be able to... to you, you can tell them, well, you didn't wish for it enough. That would be similar to saying someone who has cancer, well, you didn't pray enough, obviously, otherwise you would be healed because God wants you to be healthy. It's not how the force works. It's it's uh, ins- insulting to to think about that. It doesn't it doesn't on- <laughs> it doesn't honor the dignity of, of of people that in are in less fortunate circumstances. So what I would do is, if you see someone who is really hoping uh, for something to occur or something to, to improve their lives, which is very understandable, ask yourself, what can I do to make that other person's life better? What can I do to help someone else reach? Their goals I think that 's a much better thing to focus on than just on you know, what do I want what is going to make me happy, what is going to make me rich and 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 successful i, I mean i don't i don 't say that you shouldn't do that, but if we're getting too focused on all this wishful thinking and all this magical thinking, we might actually forget that a lot of people just have to work really hard and struggle every day to to get to a higher level. and Well, anyway, we just have to help one another. Uh, and actually, I like it that way. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? <laughs> actually, before I get to the books that I read this week, uh, it reminds me of a little joke uh, where, you know, we're in heaven, and, uh, at one point, uh, Jesus is receiving a lot of prayers from this one guy who wants to win the lottery. And every day, uh, like five times a day, he prays to Jesus, um, you know, uh, let me win the lottery, please, please, please. And then Jesus goes to his mother and well, Hey, can you take over? Because this guy is really annoying. And then, uh, the Virgin Mary says, yeah, I'll, I'll take care of it, um, which, by the way, actually, this is a heresy, what I'm just telling you. It's, I think it's the other way around. Like, Mary is getting all these prayers. This guy is praying the rosary every day. Yeah, let, let forget about what I just said. That was That's not how it works in heaven, you know? Jesus is the one who hears our prayers, and Mary is interceding. Uh, so, it's an intercessory prayer. So, Mary is like, this guy is praying the rosary every single day, so he will win the lottery. And I'm bringing this to you, Jesus, because I'm just... A handmaid, and I, 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 it's it's up to you. Uh, can you help this guy? Because I am really getting fed up with all these prayers. And then Jesus said, "Mother, I would love to help him. There's just one problem." And then Mary is like, "Isn't the, is he not praying enough?" And then Jesus says, "No, he never bought a lottery ticket." So there you go. <laughs> anyway, so books, books, books. I read uh, a lot of books. Um and I I loved all of them. Uh, first book I read earlier this week was uh from Bear Grylls, uh you know him from his survival series on I think it's it's Discovery, right? Um Bear Grylls Mud, Sweat and Tears. It's a I would say it's not a biography, it's part of a biography. So he's he's writ, uh, written a number of books in which he talks about his life and this book Mud Sweat and Tears I thought it was going to be about his survival experiences right it evokes i, I as a as a as a filmmaker myself I, I love to hear behind the scenes stuff how do they film that and and uh, what can i learn from that unfortunately it turns out that this book is mostly about the life before he became uh this survivalist on tv and it is quite boring. It, the title is really not a, a fitting for the contents of the book. It is just this drawn-out, long story, probably ghost-written as well, which just goes on and on and on and about his first girlfriend and how he 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 got to, you know, ended up at the special military uh, division or whatever it is. And then and in the final chapter, it is a little bit about his TV work, I'm thinking, yeah, that's what I wanted to read about and it just, it it's not very insightful. The biggest flaw of this book is, it it is it's not good storytelling. A good story starts with something and then every next chapter propels the story forward and you start to understand things. Oh, that is why you told me this, so that then I understand what you learned from that, so you can do this and that. This This book is very much like chronological storytelling. So, uh, I did this, and then the next day, uh, the weather changed, and we did this, and then this happened, and then this happened, and it just goes on and on and on, and there's nothing that makes you want to see what happens next, and there's nothing that when you read on, it's like, oh, now I see why, where you come from, there's an insight, or, no, it's all very bland and very, like, a summary of, basically, a diary, and it's, it's... yeah, it wasn't very good. I may try out one of his other books, but I'll, I'll make sure I read some, some, some reviews first to know. Because I still want to know how they filmed all that stuff. Because I think the TV show is amazing. But the TV show is actually much better storytelling than the book itself. Then, I also read, and this was funny, never read this before. J.K. Rowling, The History of Quidditch Through the Ages. So this is a book that she wrote years and years ago. This is way before she became so controversial and 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 before her writing got so dark. Um, this is, I think, on the like the summit of the popularity of the Harry Potter Wizarding World, and she wrote a book for charity. So all the proceedings of the sales of the book would go to charity. Um, and it is a fictional history of the Quidditch game that you see in the Harry Potter movies and you read about in the books. And it's a very important element of life at Hogwarts where these kids will fly broomsticks and they will play some kind of soccer slash football game with flying balls and rocks and there's the snitch and everything. And what I really liked about this book is how incredibly inventive and surprisingly creative the book is in, in telling you how that type of sports how quidditch came about where it came from and and it mirrors the actual history of a lot of other sports that we know like soccer and football and rugby Uh, if you go back in time you will see how those things have evolved and it reminded me of something that J.R.R. tolkien did in his works where he actually tells an alternate version of the history of hockey i think it was hockey right where it's basically the severed head of an orc, I think. <laughs> that ultimately was the, the beginning of this sport, so it's a lot of fun. Anyway, um, this book also made me a bit nostalgic of the times where you could just talk about Harry Potter without getting a lot of hate <laughs> online, and, uh, and it wouldn't immediately switch to uh, the controversy about uh, J.K. Rowling's views on, on uh, trans people and whatnot. Oh, the polarization has has ruined so much. It's 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 a shame. And then J.K. Rowling, I think her whole very controversial attitude in in and the way she is she's involved in these culture wars wars has also influenced her writing because you know what she wrote for Fantastic Beasts that could have been so magical and instead it became darker and darker and at the end very few people cared anymore. So, I don't know. I'm still hoping that one day we'll get past this controversy and and maybe she'll just hand it over to a company like Disney, just like George Lucas did, and we get some fresh stories and it will... I don't know. But right now, Harry Potter and everything that's related to the Wizarding World is still pretty toxic, unfortunately. And, And when she was writing this book, none of that had happened yet. Um, I also read another book about the video game industry, and more particular, uh, in, in particular, about Nintendo and the role that Nintendo played in in changing the 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 video game industry in a in a, in the typical Nintendo way, which is unlike Xbox and, and PlayStation. Um, this was the memoir of Reggie Fisseme. I hope I pronounced that correctly. He was the uh, president and COO of Nintendo America. And I was looking forward to reading this because I've been a fan of Nintendo for many years, uh, as I've explained before. I kind of missed out on the on the Game Boy generation. I was in seminary at the time, didn't play video games. So for about ten years, um, I I totally missed that in Mario and Mario Kart and all that and Bowser. Uh, that all happened when I was in seminary, but right now I'm kind of catching up on that history. I. I do love my Nintendo Switch. I love playing the Zelda games. Um, So I also want to know what happened during those 10 years that I was in seminary and I just completely missed that entire revolution in in the video game industry. So I was hoping that this uh, this book would fill me in. It does, actually. But unfortunately, it's not the only thing. Just like with the book with Bear Grylls, this book is way too long and it's not about why I wanted to read the book. It's positioned as... Oh, this is all going to be about Nintendo. In fact, like half of the book is about the jobs that, that Reggie had before he, he was contracted by Nintendo. And then there is also a lot of like really not interesting stuff about what he did after he, he uh, stepped away from Nintendo. So the only part of the book that I enjoyed reading was about the Nintendo years and how they developed uh, the, the Wii and uh, later on the, the, what was the other one? the Wii, Was it the Wii U? And and then of course the early stages of the development of the Nintendo Switch. They also talked about Breath of the Wild. That was interesting, but it was very brief. It was very short. And it, it, what I liked about it was he also um, talks about the cultural differences. Uh, Nintendo being a Japanese company, and then uh, the the big disconnect between uh, the, the the cultures, the the, the the like the dominant Western culture also impacts the video game industry and and PlayStation, to a certain extent, also struggled with that and still struggles with that a little bit. Uh, Microsoft, being an American company, really understands the American, North American and European market, but they don't really understand the Japanese market. And so over time you see that these big companies, they want to reach all these different demographics and you see that there is more of a blend and some of the genres that are very popular and have been very popular in the Asian market are now slowly starting to conquer the Western world. I'm not sure about the other way. I, I still don't think that first-person shooters that do very well on on the Xbox do do well in, in Japan and in other Asian countries. So but it was kind of fun. That was like a meta element of this whole discussion that I never thought of before. And so it's interesting to see him struggle with the 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 people in, in power at Nintendo that just don't understand the Western culture. Um and then uh what else did I read? Uh oh, it was another book that, that was really uh moving. It was a story, uh, also a biography of um a Dutch a woman who uh, was our national pride in snowboarding until she got cancer and her leg had to be amputated. But instead of stopping her career, she got a uh, a prosthesis. Is that how you say it? Um, and she continued to play uh, to to uh, um, to snowboard, but this time in the Paralympics. The cancer kept coming back time and again, and so the whole book tells how this woman constantly has to go back to the hospital, gets operated, and then fights her way back so she can still compete. She's done this until the very last moments of her life. Very inspiring. She died, unfortunately. Um, But still an incredible testament to her willpower and also a good lesson in how to die with dignity. And she refused to, to, um, to be somber about it. She said, I want to stay joyful. I want to... Get the maximum out of this, and she doesn't give over to give in to all the doom and gloom of the people around her. And she was a source of inspiration for all the people um, that lived with her. And you know, ultimately, we're all going to go through this process. For some of us, it will be sudden. For others, we will get sick. Maybe we'll get cancer. You never know how uh, your final stages in life will be. But this, what, what, the, what I loved about this book is, it's an example of how you can live that final phase of your life. And with all the talk about euthanasia, and, and I would say embrace every phase of your life. If you get older, you get gray, you lose your hair, uh, embrace it. It is part of what makes up the adventure of life. And even suffering, even, even illness. Now, of course, it can be extremely hard and painful. But see it as something that you don't want to miss. Because it's part of life. It's part of what makes life so, so interesting. <laughs> And um, what I liked about her testimony is um, it's, it's in those very difficult moments where you have to fight for every single day when you're in so much pain and so much hurt. It's in those moments that all of a sudden you can get these incredible moments of love and friendship and, and, and where you live the most intense moments of your life. Don't skip over that. Don't don't miss out on that. Embrace it. I know it's easier said than done. Absolutely, but this book was very inspirational. Unfortunately, there's no English translation for it, but I'm sure that there are similar books about that. It it, it goes to show from that there are people that that actually uh, embrace suffering and illness and cancer in a way that I think we we can all benefit from because again I, it's it's good to sometimes not all the time but to think about this this th- there is going to be our life is not e- on this earth is not eternal um, and, and of course we're hoping and we're praying uh, that, that that our life will be an eternity filled with love and friendship but there's going to be this departure from this world and and sometimes it's good to, to think in advance what I, what would i do how would i react and um so there you go that that's all i read this week and i'm st- i'm still trying to finish one one more book later today before the end of the week Daniel in the chat is asking, who likes hot dogs? So that's a sign for me that we need to talk about food. And actually, my stomach is also reminding me that it is time for dinner because I'm recording this before I enter the kitchen. So I'm going to share with you what I'm going to try to make today because it's a new recipe. But I saw this on... This is thanks to Bing. You know, I've been uh, using uh, the Bing search engine quite a bit. Uh, and I've been very impressed with how much I like it over time. Over Google, um, what yeah, over Google as a search engine, um, because it has um, artificial intelligence, so you can actually chat with with Bing. Um, and but it also there is a um, a uh, reward system that Microsoft has in place. I think I talked about this last week as well. So you can um, gather points by using Bing, and you can do these little quizzes. And every day you will have like click here and get five points, and then it will just talk. About whatever mountain range in in Nepal, or or in this case, it was a recipe. And it's like, hey, try this out next time you're in the kitchen. And I saw this and I was like, yo, that looks so. Why have I never heard of this? Um, it is. It was a recipe for um, a special type of potato preparation. It's called roast hassleback. and um, it's basically you you you. You cut up a a, a potato as a an, an accordion, you know, like the how do you call it to make music an accordion? I think it's called an accordion, right? So you um, you cut the each each potato into small slices, like five millimeters. Um, but you don't cut it all the way through. There still has to be a little bit on the bottom of the potato that keeps the whole thing together. Um, in in the Uh, video, I'll link to that in the show notes by Jamie Oliver. He uses two wooden spoons and he put the potato in between those two wooden spoons and then cut it. So you never go all the way to the bottom of the potato. Once you have that, you make, um, you melt butter, you add some garlic, some herbs and some salt and pepper, and then you take a, um, a brush and you, Cover the potatoes, and also in between those slices that you created, you you cover that in in that uh, scented that aromatic butter, and then you put the potatoes in the oven for about forty five minutes, and then you take them out, and then you in the meantime you make like a crumble with uh with bread, uh, it can just be any type of old bread and um, some oil. And he um, Jamie Oliver used hazelnuts like chopped up hazelnuts and and some blue cheese like the very like strong uh, cheese. You put that in a blender and then that creates like a crumb a crumb I think it's called a crumble. So like after 45 minutes potatoes are already nice and golden you you may add you may take some of the uh, butter and oil on the bottom of the of the tray. And pour it over the potatoes again. You can also go in between the slices if you want it to to be even more crispy. And then you, uh, before you put it back in the oven, you you cover the whole thing with that crumble that you created with breadcrumbs and and hazelnuts and and blue cheese. And then you put it back in the oven for another 15 minutes, and it just looks so amazing. I've, I've, this is one of those rare occasions that I can actually smell a YouTube video. I was watching this, and I was like. <gasps> I know how this must smell. I am going to make this. So that's what I'm going to prepare later today. If you follow me on on, um, social media, you'll probably see the photos of either like charcoal that came out of the oven because I failed the recipe or you will just see something very, very delicious called roast Hasselbeck potatoes. We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? plug it in it's going to say hey i see you plugged in a new device and it's going to load in the appropriate drivers you'll notice that this scanner built. whoa well all your technology stuff it just ends in disaster but there is one more thing so this is always uh that moment in the show where we talk about video games and technology uh everything digital and um I already spoke a bit about Nintendo. I'm still playing Breath of the Wild. What an amazing game. I saw a video actually on YouTube about the, how, that came, how that game came together because now, of course, the sequel to Breath of the Wild is already out and I've heard that Nintendo is working on a, uh, a Nintendo Switch 2, like a, a faster Nintendo, so I may have to sell mine before that one hits the market. Um and but i i would be surprised if that console w- wouldn't be like cross compatible and would be able to play the 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 switch games um i really would like to play um breath of the wild in 4k i hope that's going to be part of the of the you know the next uh, hardware uh, iteration of the Switch, um, but it was very interesting. The, the, the Breath of the Wild originally was supposed to be a very different game, and they had to figure out how to guide you in this open landscape so you wouldn't get lost and you wouldn't. So they tried this out with test audiences, and they saw heat maps, and they saw that a lot of players just. Never explored the entire map, so they had to come up with all sorts of tricks to guide you, even though you still have the idea that you're just following your nose. You're just, you can do whatever you want. Um, very fascinating video. Uh, I'm also playing a, a couple of games on uh, Game Pass, and one is just absolutely gorgeous and such a joy to play. It's an indie game from, a, I think, a Canadian gaming company. Or no, was it Swedish? I think it's a Swedish gaming company. It's called Planet of Lana. And um, it tells the game of two sisters um, during an invasion of their beautiful planet by... Um, it's like War of the Worlds, basically. I think it's inspired by that. So the, the, this alien ship uh, abducts the sister um, and, and ca- captures all these, these humans in, in, in a big net and, or a cage... And then the younger sister is pursuing these aliens and is trying to, well, to find her sister. Um, It is a very poetic, beautiful game, beautiful music as well. It is a two-dimensional side-scroller, but everything is hand-painted. The animation is gorgeous. And um, it it, it gradually gets a little bit more difficult. There's some puzzles that you have to... Uh, solve? like how do i get past them because there's these, these these drones and other robots that are still on on the planet and you have to somehow circumvent them and try to figure out how to get past them um but it's it always done it's never it's never a real like a puzzle like all of a sudden there's like a, a something that is not part of the environment it's always like oh yeah how am i going to figure this out and 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 oftentimes i get stuck and i was like how do I do this? And then you try a few things, and then it's always it's n- the it's the perfect uh amount of difficulty. It's I I, I usually don't like puzzle games because it, it gets too difficult, and then I was like, I'm stuck and I have to Google the 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 answer. Here it's always after a few tries, you figure it out, and it's super gratifying, but The thing I like most about this is is just how immersive it is. It's a beautiful game. It's called Planet of Lana. Check it out. Another game that is highly addictive and so much fun is called Arcade Paradise. This looked like a a game that I would never launch. Like the artwork was a bit like 80s and a bit garish. And I thought actually that it was just a cheap arcade simulator. It's called Arcade Paradise. So I was like, ah, oh, it's probably just I, there are so many of the emu of these kind of emulators. Eh, I don't know if that's for me, but hey, I fired it up just to check it out. Turns out, it's not an arcade emulator at all. In fact, you start. It's it's a it's a, um, how would you say that um, a management simulator of a of a, a laundry shop. And your dad has um, put you in charge of his laundry business. And you start with washing clothes. And I was like, okay, it's in 3D. So you every day you go to work and then people leave their, their dirty laundry and you have to put it in a washing machine. And after a while, you have to make sure it's transferred to the dryer. And then you have to make sure that you get it out of the dryer in time. And the quicker you work, the more money you make. So I was like, what the heck, what's the arcade of this, I mean, uh, I don't think I, I, I want to play a game where I'm just washing other people's laundry, I, I have trouble enough washing my own laundry, laundry, I don't need a video game for that, but then you get a phone call, and your dad is on the phone, he leaves a voice message, and he says, you know what, hey, um, I keep you in charge, um, I just want you to keep the place tidy. So you have to clean up the... You have to, sometimes you have to unblock the toilet and all that. So make sure you take good care of my shop. And then a friend of you gets in touch over uh, over email or chat. And he says, hey, have you ever thought of putting an arcade machine there to make some extra money? And so there is... I think there are like two or three arcade machines in the back of the building. And he says, you know what? We we If you can find some time to to fix them and to clean them up. You, I, I, if I were you, I would just invest some of the money you make, but with the laundry business, into these arcade machines because you've got a much bigger turnover than with the laundry stuff. And so over time, you make some money, you invest in new arcade machines, and, and then at one point you could even get to expand. There are some, some back rooms in the building that are not used, and so you hire a company to expand it, and you build your, And this is taking place in the 80s. Uh, so this, that's the time when I was in high school and arcades were all the rage. So you build your own arcade. Um, and the cool thing is you actually have to play those games or like goals you can do every day. Um, and the more you, you attain certain uh, goals in those arcade games, uh, the, the more popular those machines become. And then you can make some money and you can invest it in some other stuff and you can even hire some people to help you with the laundry business. And so I got so incredibly invested in this and I love the combination of this management sim because there's a lot of stress in, in, in like oh, doing all these things at once. But there's also every time you get better at running the business and, and more and more money starts to come in and it is so addictive. And I love the way that in which they did these arcade games. So you actually do play a bit of a simulator, but what they did is they never do, like, existing games, but they blend in. They blend several types of arcade games. So there's this one game where it is the original GTA, so Grand Theft Auto, combined with Pac-Man. And so you're running around, you know, gathering money in your car, and there are police cars, the ghosts, and once they crash into you, you have to run, and you have to, like, I think... Try to incapacitate the 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 the, the, the agents, the, the policemen with music, I think, with rock music, and then you get back into your car. And it's just, it's Pac-Man, but in a different way. You also have racing games. You've got, like, there's this one game that's so addictive where it's kind of based on, like sequences of numbers and at first it's like oh man i hate these games you have to it's so complicated but then you you get the hang of it and now i can't stop playing it it's like man i i need to hire someone to do the laundry for me so i can focus entirely on high scores on this machine it is amazing i feel like i'm back in the 80s i'm Back in time. It's an amazing game. (laughs) It's too addictive. It's actually quite dangerous uh, because I can't stop playing it. That's how good it is. It's called, I think it's still in beta actually, but it's on Game Pass. It's called Arcade Paradise. All right. We need to start wrapping things up. Um, At the beginning of this show, I talked about threads. And Twitter, um, Threads, of course, after its first amazing week, um, a lot of the traffic went down. Pe- the novelty wears off. And there is an additional problem Threads is not available in Europe. And at first, I was able to circumvent it by downloading the app via the American or the Canadian uh, iTunes store. But apparently, I wasn't the only one who was doing that. And now uh, Meta has blocked anyone from Europe to access the service. I can still read the threads. Um, people can still follow me on threads, but I can no longer post, and I also cannot see reactions. It's a bit of a bummer, but it shows me that the European legislation works. So now it's up to Meta to try to fix this because they, of course, want to make this available everywhere, but now they have to abide with the European laws to, to make sure that Europe can also join Uh, uh, threads, because without Europe it's never going to be a replacement, a a viable replacement for Twitter. In the meantime, Twitter is still going through a lot of difficulties. Uh, Threads, of course, has uh, put quite a dent in in their traffic, but more importantly, advertisers are now moving over to threads as well. And so, um, uh, and this is Elon Musk himself who has posted that like fifty percent of the advertising money has just evaporated, and so investors are now doing going elsewhere. And he blames that for the fina- ongoing financial trouble that, that mm, Twitter is in. I'm always thinking when I read that is like, yes. And why do you think that the advertisers took their money and went to other platforms? It couldn't that be linked to the way in which you've run Twitter for the past months, like? Yeah, do something about that. But um, it's—he's not the kind of personality to uh, to uh, to ever uh, admit his own flaws in the way he's running Twitter. According to many, uh, into the ground. Uh, this, you know, threads being limited now to North America and to some other countries in the world, but not avail- being available in Europe, brought me back to Macedon. Um, as I said, I also got an inv- invitation uh, to Blue Sky, but Blue Sky is very much the same as Twitter and, and, uh, and Threads. It's owned by Jack Dorsey. He is very untransparent, opaque. <laughs> He's not clear at all what he wants with that company and, and you know who he is in cahoots with. It, it stays too vague. I don't, I don't trust it. I feel like Blue Sky and Twitter, it's so much the same. Ultimately, it will be one big company who owns my assets, my timeline, my contributions, and it's gonna be the same thing all over again. So I don't I don't I like the people on Blue Sky, but I don't see this as working because it's it's very much the same, the same trouble uh that that also brought Twitter to its knees. Um, it remains to be seen if threads is going to be any better i do think that meta has learned a lot from you know all their years of experience in in managing social media platforms so i think in terms of moderation they're stronger than than um uh than than twitter and blue sky but i I'm, I'm back on mastodon it's i still have so much sympathy for the fediverse and I really like the people there. It, it's, every month it's getting better. Um, they're also improving the apps to use it. So I think ultimately Mastodon is here to stay. And the same is true for Lemmy as a, a replacement for Reddit. It's it's incredible how fast Lemmy is evolving and how good some of the third-party apps are becoming. I think that, that Reddit should be worried. Because now still everybody is on, on Reddit, but uh, they continue to try to squeeze out every every... Penny, because there's no competition, but Lemmy is on its way. And there's so, especially among the developers, there's so much, uh, they're they're working so hard to make sure that Lemmy can become a viable alternative and an open source, like a Fediverse type of of alternative to Twitter Uh, and to Reddit, I should say. So yeah, good times because competition means that everything, everybody benefits from that. Um, and then one final thing I've been streaming this also, uh, live on Facebook and YouTube and Twitch, but I had to use my old webcam for that. Uh, I was, I've always been using my, my, um, Canon M50 and it stopped working and I have myself to blame because today I was thinking, Hey, you know what? I would like to try out the beta version of uh, the new operating system on, on my iPad and on my computer. So I signed up for the beta and installed, uh, the, um, I think it's, it's OS 10 iteration 14. I don't know. It's, it's Sonoma. Um, and it's very cool. It's got these cool widgets and it's very, very nice. And I also installed, uh, iOS 17 on my iPad. It's amazing on the iPad. It's actually pretty stable. The problem is, um, once I installed the beta on my computer, it, it it didn't support the api anymore that made it possible to use my my nice fancy camera with my computer and so now i'm stuck with a webcam that's super glitchy and not 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 very good so anyway hopefully hopefully this will sort itself out but it's a good lesson to never install a beta on your work computer i was just impatient i only have one mac and i just I was so curious. I wanted to be in on it, and now I messed it all up. Oh, well. It's time to wrap things up. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed this show. I want to say a special thank you to my new patrons. Um, we've got Jeff Skier, Marion Eggermont, Stephen Noora, and Lucas Rafael Cavalcanti-Ferreira. Uh, And they all joined this wonderful community of patrons that helped me do this this work Um, And I I hope you can join them if you if you want Uh, I'll do my best to give you as much as I can return for your uh, sponsorship But I can still use a lot more patrons So thank you to my new patrons and also thank you to Ben and Sudi who both upped their monthly pledge uh, this sometimes happens when people have a little bit more uh, room in their financial budget. Sometimes they decide to go to another tier. I'm super happy if people do. But never put yourself in any financial trouble for supporting me. I only want you to support me if you believe in what I do and if you have the means to do so. But I never want someone to get in trouble just for you know wanting to uh, to help me. It's like, like when you're in an airplane and... <laughs> The, 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 the steward st- always tells you to first put the oxygen mask on yourself and then help other people. I would like you to do that financially as well. But if you can help, I'd love it. See you next time. God bless.